0: Welcome to the back room of politics. Today we're taking a look at the uh, Central Plains Water Scheme here in Canterbury, a very large irrigation scheme. In New Zealand, we tend to think of infrastructure as being about roads and uh, various buildings, hospitals, schools, etc., uh, airports, ports, whatever you like to name. But irrigation is also a very, very important aspect of New Zealand's infrastructure. And this is a wonderful scheme uh, that really is making quite a difference. Uh, I'm joined here today by my parliamentary colleagues, Barbara Kuriga and Nicola Greig, uh, and we have a number of guests uh, to discuss this today. First up, Grant Miller. Well, thanks,
1: Jerry, and thanks for welcoming us um, here today. We've, we really look forward to coming, you coming and seeing us, and. Um, Really giving an insight into what we do as a company. Um, As a company we've been extremely uh, proud to be associated with Canterbury Farmers. They have um, really backed this scheme from inception. It's been uh, an ambitious scheme, it's it's been a scheme that has been difficult to achieve, it's a scheme with scale, but it's a scheme that provides environmental benefits um, right through the catchment. And it is actually part of the solution for Canterbury as Cordis Woes. Um, one of the big things that we have done within the scheme is introduced water recharge back into the aquifers, particularly around the Selwyn River, which has been often been uh, concerned about flows in the Selwyn River. Uh, last year, we were able to put three million cubic metres of water back into the soil surface, uh, and anecdotally, or even through the soil scientists at ECan, it had a very positive effect. So, we've been really pleased um, with what's happened. We um, people often talk to us about how much water the Central Plains Water take out of the river, a Rakaia River and really want to be able to paint a picture for our, to your listeners, Jerry, that um, 3% is, is what we're talking. So if you envisage a cup of coffee, it's less than the foam on the top of your cappuccino, which is a nice way of thinking of it. Just that little bit on top is the, is the water that perhaps we take out there. Um, you know, one day's water flow over a whole year is, is that kind of water flow. So it, it is um, taking some water out of the river, we acknowledge that, but it's done in a very efficient way, and a very environmentally friendly way. And we are actually reusing water, which is actually being used to generate electricity at Lake Coleridge. So uh, the water, which is stored in Lake Coleridge, travels through the turbines, through the powerhouse, and then gets recycled
0: and we use it as well. So you're getting a double double whammy there, which is really good. My next guest is Vanessa Winning. Tell us about your impressions of the scheme uh, and its potential uh, for replication (coughs) in in other parts of New Zealand.
2: Yeah I think the, the really good point from CPW is that it's not just about irrigation it's actually much wider than that and so we need to be thinking about it from a whole of community response perspective. I mean the fact that we've got hydroelectricity, we've got water use, we've also got um, potential for drinking water and um, potential for uh, further um, solar panels on top of the, uh, on the scheme as well. I think we've really got to be thinking wider than irrigation so that we're Looking at it from an infrastructure perspective for the whole community rather than just for uh, productive use. So I think for the future, a lot more of these schemes will come to life because we'll actually be looking at you know what happens for the whole community and what the impact can be.
0: We're joined here today too by uh, two local farmers who are on the scheme. Uh, first, Pete Morrison, who's uh, uh, involved in a, a, a lot of farming activities across the plains, uh, but uh, uh, also a great advocate for the scheme.
3: Well, it's great having
0: you all here today. And, um,
3: you know, you talked about the size of the scheme and what it affected on the community. It's so small and a lot of it's underground and everything. It's a bit like mining on the West Coast. You know, it's, it's the size of one postage stamp in the whole of Eden Park. And, and these irrigation schemes, you know, they're making an incredible difference to the area. High-paid, well-paid jobs is, you know, like tractor drivers around in this community now can you know can make 100000 a year. You know that's unheard of before the scheme came around, you know, and the demand for people is, you know, which is building the communities as well, there's more people in the, in each of the township, like Sheffield's gonna have a subdivision going ahead, which you wouldn't have thought of at all, you know, only four or five years ago. Um, this scheme has been inception for 20 odd years by the, by the locals, you know, my, my father was part of at the beginning and, uh, you know, I think if he saw what was happening today, and the way people are thinking about water, how they're utilising it on dairy farms, for example. You know, we've all got in-ground um, moisture meters now so that we don't waste water. Uh, we, we're we monitoring, you know, all our inputs, you know, very closely, and that's across everybody in the scheme. And everyone's engaged in it. You don't hear in the community now bad, bad thing or the bloody irrigators or the so-and-so farmers or dairy farmers. You know, everyone's pretty engaged, and they know where they're... Where, where they're where their money's coming from or, or they're living in, in their way of life and it's not just about the money the way of life out here is enhanced because of it as well you know um, because in part because you've got more people but you've got more services restaurant and and places and things to do so it's a better place to live um, it uh, the uh, the whole the whole way this schemes working going forward is and where we're going to need great leadership in the country, and and probably historically, if you looked at, I was looking at all the data this morning, our scheme's nearly full. You know, most of the pipes are full. There's areas now we can't go. Sheffield's chocker. We we haven't got any spare water. Now, we could have, if we could, could build more infrastructure around ponds, be a great use of money for the country to build a pond. Can the farmers withstand any more at the moment? Probably not. Same applies over at the Rakaia. I mean, are we going to want to keep using Lake College? These are these are social decisions we should make it be making collectively, uh, and going forward. And maybe we should be taking the water out for the hydro, but then it goes into another pond which can be used later on. So I think water storage, even in this scheme, while we've got it pretty good at the moment, long term is going to take some great leadership, and 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 that's what you know we all need to be thinking in the future. What's it look like in 10 years' time? Where do we th- what uh, but the fact that the pipes you know when we put the pipes in which is only stage one must be about eight years or ten years they thought they had heaps of spare capacity and they're virtually chocker um, it, you know it's a it's a great credit to the farmers and everyone wanting to get it but it's very sad for the people who missed out and it's very sad when we've got the water Like you know as we've talked about today we've got we're using very little of the water we could be utilizing it even better you know we wouldn't use much more because the systems are changing all the time but we could uh, be doing it if, if we'd done that bigger and better at the start which we couldn't afford but if we would had central governments help and uh providing finance you know free finance or whatever that farmers would have still pay back in time then we could have had a better scheme for the community and for the country going forward so uh, I just would encourage you to think about the future and what it looks like and how we can do it all better, and and how we bring the community along, you know that everyone feels proud of what we're doing in, in Central Canterbury. In fact, all the irrigation schemes in the country, because we are doing a great job. We are trying very hard to get it right environmentally, and uh, and socially. And uh, I don't think there's a farmer in, in in our catchment that that's doing a bad job now. I mean, you know we're we're, you know as a board and as a company and as a philosophy we want to do it better all the time and uh, if people understand that then we'll all go to forward together and we'll have a better a better uh, solution for everybody in the country
0: so thanks for coming and another farmer on the screen is simon Wright uh, i understand your farm gets a fair bit of natural rainfall but uh, what's the advantage of being on this scheme
4: um, well we uh, we hum and hard uh, quite a long time about whether we were going to delve into the scheme when it sort of came up for, um, when the opportunity came up, but it was clear to us pretty early on that, for us, the future was having to go into the irrigation. Um, w- traditionally, we have been quite a, um, well, I would say we've got very good soils and uh, we've got a bit of spillover from the north a so high rainfall than most in the CPW scheme, but um, in the business we're in, which is um, mixed arable, um, so a lot of um, uh, seed multiplication and all that sort of carry-on, um, we were struggling as a dryland farm to get the contracts with the merchants because we could never ins- uh, guarantee the production that they required. Um, so that's probably one of the biggest things since we put irrigation on is the, um, the you know we're sort of having to fend off these merchants as they drive up the um, up the drive wanting us to grow things. Whereas before that, when we were dryland, we used to have to go with a begging bowl and ask to grow the certain um, cultivars that they they were wanting wanting us to grow or wanting people to grow. So that's probably been one of the really big advantages. Even though we had a reasonable rainfall, um, the irrigation has allowed us to uh,
0: remove the peaks and troughs that we used to have in a dry land situation. Yeah. Uh, look, I'm, I'm also joined here today by uh, uh, Barbara Kuriga, who's our National Party spokesman for agriculture, uh, and uh, Nicola Gregg, who's the local MP. Uh, Nicola has uh, some journalistic experience, I understand. So, uh, Nicola, when you talk, when these people are talking, if you anything comes to mind, uh, then please uh, ask a question. So look, we've, we've heard from uh, people about how this works. We'd like just to, for a minute, talk to uh, Stu Wright, who's uh, uh, also a long-term farmer here, but has seen farming through the pre-irrigation days uh, for a large number of years and into what we've got now. Have you got anything that you say it's uh, positive for it, uh, Stu?
5: Oh, well, we certainly have, Jerry, and, 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 you know, I've got a clear an interest because Simon's my son, so <laughs> I used to be the boss, but now I'm the boy. Um, but, you know, irrigation, uh, if you'd said to me 30 or 40 years ago we'd be irrigating here, I would have, I would have laughed at you, and, but when irrigation came along, we saw the opportunity, and it was the last chance, basically, so we decided to get in, and uh, I just cannot believe a difference it's made. It's... Um, taken, as Simon touched on, taking the, the humps and the hollows out of our cash flow. Um, it means we can grow, we, we graze some of Pete's cows during the winter, we know we can grow a crop that, that is going to uh, meet his requirements and our requirements. Um, so it, it's, just, it's just meant that we can plan so much, uh, so much uh, better on what we're trying to achieve and what we're trying to grow. Um, and um, at the same time our, our nutrient loading, Simon you probably got the figures better than me, but our nutrient loading um, has uh, well, what's dropping out the bottom under overseer measurement is actually less than when we were dry land. So it's been a win-win from, from us in that perspective. Um, uh, absolute
4: thumbs up from my my point of view. Yeah, I've,
0: Just explain that, I think that's really a very interesting point. Well, I, I'll, I'll have a crack at that. I've got, um,
4: the, the, the matching your inputs to is, is a really crucial thing for us and in a dry land situation you, you, you'd have a, a, a portion of um, nitrogen or, or whatever input it might be that you have to apply to try and get the result out of the, the crop that you're growing. However, um, in a dry land scenario that you, you'd often um, apply um, a, a product, say, say it was urea, um, which is important in an arable system. Um, you apply that product with a forecast of rain to come, that rain may not have come that product set on set on the surface and volatilized into the atmosphere or you haven't got the efficiency out of applying that product whereas in irrigation you can match your requirements so much easier by applying and then putting the, the irrigation on so you, you're actually optimizing what you're applying to that plant which you never were able to do in a dry land situation so it's actually caused huge um, efficiencies in our in our business in that regard
2: I'll jump in here, Jerry, as the MP representing these good folk, but the question for me that I think that the urban population needs to understand, and I think you'll explain it a lot better than I would, is how do you show that uh, irrigation is actually good for the environment and good for recharging waterways and rivers?
5: Well, I mean, if you look at the CPW scheme, and I haven't got the figures, Grant might have it, from the amount of water, particularly at Tipperita, that was extracted out of the ground for a start, that is now surface or stored water out of Lake Coleridge As I think someone told me about the equivalent of one Wellington Harbour a year that doesn't come out of the ground now. It's a big figure. Don't hold me to that but I think it's something like that. Two. It's two. Sorry, double it. So there's two Wellington Harbours of water that does not come out of the ground. It has now come surface water when it's available or stored water when it's um, when it's not available. So that's got to be a positive. Uh, Simon had on it that, that the um, you know growing a crop of wheat, we measure the amount of nitrogen in the soil in August. We know what's the reserve is. We know our tonnage wants to be about 12 ton. that's what we're hoping to harvest now and under dry land we would have been budgeting on seven tons so it's an extra five tons of the hectare we know how much nitrogen we need to grow that crop we can apply it with confidence Mm. okay in a year you might have be out a ton either way sometimes we might do better sometimes we might do worse under a dry land situation you'd sit here and it's northwest here today um in october You'd apply your nitrogen. You'd be looking over your shoulder. Is it going to blow north west? Is it going to blow north west? Instead of getting seven ton, if it blew north west for two weeks or three weeks at the wrong time of year, you might have got
2: five. Exactly. So. I think one of the most exciting figures I heard uh, as an ambassador for this region is that this scheme alone has added seven hundred million dollars to our local economy per annum, and that includes a hundred million in GST. Tony, what's your views on on what it's done for the area?
6: Oh, it's been uh, hugely successful. Um, there was not yeah a bit of negative. Uh, views on it early on, but one of the things that probably hasn't been mentioned is the, or it has sort of been mentioned, but the community, but the support that the scheme gives to, to the farmers around their farm environment plans, the audits that are put in place, and that's genuinely lifted the standard across it, across the scheme and and in the region. So every, I think everyone now, farmers all understand the benefits and the efficiency that's gained um, through these plans and these farm environment plans efficiency is you know protecting the environment all about efficiency and efficient use of resources and so the schemes allowed that to 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 happen and the support the scheme and the staff have, have given around that is, is huge and that's that's bringing people together and uh, and and the farmers are, are enjoying it hmm.
7: I'd, I'd like to ask a question from a, a food and fiber perspective uh, to anyone in the group that wants to answer so I'm from the North Island and I um, Certainly in the areas of Waiarapa and Hawke's Bay, as climate changes, uh, there's a real desperation around water. Uh, What I've seen here today is really unobtrusive on the landscape. They're natural channels, but what I'm really impressed about is the way you actually recharge your rivers, uh, and they're in a better state than they were before and the way you're able to with smart technology manage your farming systems so that the rivers are healthier as well. So um, just a bit of advice on how we can do more of this around the country.
3: Well, Just one thing on that, Barbara. Is, um, I, the Hawkins River's run through our family farm for the last 100 years, and it's been monitored by NIWA for the last uh, 40-odd years, every summer. It hasn't varied for nitrate levels in that whole period of time, but what, most importantly, what's happened with Central Plains now that everyone's irrigating up here, it's flowing again. Like, it's never stopped flowing in the middle of our place. We've been very lucky, but it's never flowed all the way down through our place. It's a bit like the Selwyn. You know, it's an unspoken river, but it's it's in great heart. And, you know, I'd drink the water any day of the week, unless it's in flood. But anyway...
0: Mark McKenzie, you're the uh, systems operator, the, the CEO uh, of the... Um, or The man who makes it all work, should I say. It's the best way for me to put it. Uh, so, what are the what are the successes? What are the challenges that you face, and what are the opportunities moving forward for the scheme?
8: Yeah, look, Jerry, I've I've been involved in the scheme since we started designing it, and then worked through and and operating it for the last seven years. Uh, for me, it's, it's very similar to what uh, Tony said. You know, the the benefits that the scheme is is roping around the farmers in terms of their uh, u- utilizing their <coughs> farm environment plans and and utilizing the water better and. We've seen that over the last seven years that they're getting better and better in the way that they're using the water and, and allocating that resource out and so yeah, I think it, it's a real benefit to the scheme. I know that for all of the staff on the scheme it gives us a real buzz to go out there and see all of these farms irrigating and knowing that, that the whole operation is actually delivering that water across the
0: plains. It's incredible. That's fantastic and so um, what do you think the, the opportunities are for uh, more farms to get onto the scheme. One of the things that's really impressive is how unobtrusive it is. Yeah. Uh, and you know, you keep thinking of that uh, stat before, uh, twice the size of Wellington Harbour uh, being saved each year out of the counter-reactiveness. That's pretty amazing.
8: Yeah, it is amazing, Jerry. And as you say, you can't really see the scheme. There's over 400 kilometres of pipeline uh, buried throughout the scheme, um, but it's all underground. And, and so all you're really seeing is, is the water going in and the water coming out the other end. And I think, you know, there's there's great opportunities for looking at expansion of the scheme, in-scheme storage or, or other storage around the, around the area to help with the reliability, um, and I think there's
0: real opportunity there to, to better manage the water uh,
8: around the district.
0: Brilliant. Look, uh, we're also joined today by uh, uh, ECAN uh, councillor, uh, not my favourite organisation, but uh, he's a good friend, John Sunkle. Uh, John, uh, you're obviously a Uh, a farmer who who, uh, understands all this stuff. Uh, So uh, you've you've known about the scheme all the way along. What are your impressions about uh, prospects for the future? Thanks, thanks, (coughs) Judy. I love you too. Um, When when the
9: scheme was first mooted and and the prospectus went out, I actually wrote a cheque for $20,000 and sent it in, and I got a nice note saying, you're outside the scheme area, (coughs) we can't take your money. But for me, the the very idea of being able to irrigate up here, remove the the takes from the groundwater, and would provide real uh, environmental opportunities and and gains in in the lower parts of the catchment. And as others have said, we're seeing our lowland streams beginning to out. Again, as we've reduced those takes, we've seen a more constant flow. Um, To another point, we hear that it's kind of open slather and those that uh, have an environmental beat beat, get very challenged. The ability of the schemes to manage the the farm systems through the farm environment plans, the audit process, is absolutely critical to the success of the scheme. And if I put my regulator hat on as a a regional councillor, we, in a sense, would wish that every farmer was sitting in a scheme because these guys get the opportunity to have uh, paid staff in the scheme providing advice, assistance and the like. They have very strict audit processes. If something goes wrong, as they've said, they'll just switch the switch off and say, you can't have water. So we've got the productive advantage, we get environmental outcomes, we've got economic, cultural, social, all those well-beings that we're really looking for are happening in these schemes. And then we look at climate change, and we look at potential less loss of, of snowpack so again, storage becomes critical right through the country as we lose the opportunity for, for water in our, in, our, in our rivers. So this is just a real exemplar of what can happen for our rural communities across all four all buildings.
0: Well, it's not just rural communities, is it? The whole, the whole. Uh, everyone benefits and some of that environmental stuff we yeah. spoke of before is uh, pretty amazing. So uh, we've also joined here today by another uh, irrigation scheme <coughs> Uh, from a Amuri, which is further up on the Canterbury Plains, or further north of Canterbury Plains. Tell us a little bit about your scheme.
8: Oh, thanks, Jerry. Andrew, Andrew Biden's my name. Um, look, I don't really want to detract too much from the Central Plains story, which has been told today. I mean, we've, we were lucky enough to have an existing Ministry Works scheme that we piped um, the lateral races to make it more efficient and to and to provide more people in the community with, with irrigation, and I'm pleased to say that everyone in the local community got the opportunity to, to water and and utilise water for adding value to their farms, but I think in terms of what Central Plains has achieved coming in and 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 getting this um, asset in place with no um, existing backbone to build on as a greenfields development is a great achievement and and the synergy that's been achieved with uh, use of Lake Coleridge for storage is a a magnificent example for the country and um, really excites me to
0: see that this potential could be applied in other areas. That's great. Look, uh, Barbara Currier, you've heard a lot about uh, uh, first-hand from farmers how well this is working. Uh, we know it works well for all communities across New Zealand. We know it's part of the infrastructure New Zealand needs. So tell us what you thinking is about integrating, uh, you know, what is essentially an economic policy uh, of, uh, you know, economic growth policy around infrastructure with the obvious economic growth uh, potential of, of agriculture in New Zealand.
7: Yeah, absolutely, Jerry. Uh This is the ultimate opportunity for our country, particularly, uh, as I said before, when we go into climate change. Um, but the thing that impress, impresses me even more, not just producing extra food, but making sure that as it's produced, uh, there is no enviro- no extra environmental impact. And in the majority of cases where I've Uh, Been looking at irrigation schemes, and this one's very impressive. There's actually less environmental impact. And when I think about uh, the food security uh, issues that are going on in the world currently, and I hear, uh, what were you telling me before? 5,000 extra.
1: Trying to to give your listeners a bit of context about what Stuart said earlier on about yield. So going from 7 tonne to to 12 tonne of yield, that extra 5 tonne of wheat equals 5,000 loaves of bread. So if you're thinking uh, and you're sitting at home saying, what does that look like in real life? It's another 5,000 loaves per hectare. If you've got a 10 hectare paddock, it's 50,000 loaves of bread coming from Stew Wright's property extra from irrigation. So it's contextualising what that looks like from, from your listeners. Yeah.
7: So my view is, Gerry, we just need to figure out, uh, you know, underpinning these schemes. And it's really pleasing to see this scheme financially now. Uh, after a period of eight years uh, washing its own face and paying for itself and adding so much value to New Zealand.
0: Yes, I, I know it was a struggle at the start. We should think about uh, aggregation, infrastructure uh, the same way we think about roads and everything else and I think um, it would uh, make a huge difference. We of course had the uh, Infrastructure New Zealand Fund, which I think only had ever one client, uh, called the Canterbury Plains Water Scheme. That's a great local MP. It's all happening on your patch. Yes. Uh, so tell us, uh, can you just wrap us up? Tell us, uh, what uh, the advantages are that you've picked up today, that we've picked up today, and we should be taking you away.
2: Well, I'll just as we said, you know, this this scheme only takes three percent of the surface water of the Rakaia River, which is just huge, huge volumes. Of water flowing down it, that 3% has turned into a 700 million dollar net benefit to the Canterbury region. I say at every opportunity I get, Canterbury is the driving force behind this country's economy and as such should have a return on investment in it and we should be seeing more investment into schemes like this so we can continue to drive this country.
0: It's interesting, uh, just a loose calculation uh, that we were discussing before was 100 million dollars of that increased production uh, is taken by the government and GST. It's economic activity as opposed to uh, uh, any other measures, so it is directly reflected in that GST figure. Well, I think that's a good place to leave it, Uh, so let's uh, wrap this up. I want to thank my guests today, uh, Tony Coltman, Stu Wright, Simon Wright, Peter Morrison, Grant Miller, Vanessa Winning, Mark Mitchell, uh, Andrew Buston and John Sunkle, and of course my parliamentary colleagues Barbara Kuriga and Nicola. This has been the Back River Politics today looking at the Central Plains Water Scheme